Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is July the 15th, 2022, uh, a Friday. On Monday of this week, we did a, a great show, I thought, with uh, the British writer Deborah Cadbury. She has a new book out on a particularly righteous woman, a woman called um, Anna Essinger. She was, uh, I mean, according to the headlines for my show, she's a Quaker teacher who defied Hitler. Uh, she was actually born a Jew, um, uh, but uh, went to America when she was a young girl from Germany and um, was, uh, was engaged in a lot of Quaker education. So whether we call her a Jew or a Quaker, there's no doubt that she was incredibly righteous. Uh, I looked up the word righteous, a person of uh, very good or excellent morality. She quite literally picked up the school that she taught at in 1933 in Germany and took it to England, saving the lives of many children, not just in 1933, but onwards. This kind of righteousness, of course, was uh memorable in 1933 and some people believe that it's relevant perhaps today my guest on the show has a new book out ari mittelman paths of the righteous um stories um of uh heroism and he's on our uh and uh, ari is joining us from um from maryland uh ari before we start perhaps you might Define in your mind what the word righteous actually means and, and, and why you use it in your new book, Paths of the Righteous. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity to join the show. And, you know, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, so my ears perked up when you were talking about Quakers. Um, I, I'm not too familiar with, with Quakers, but uh, Pennsylvania was obviously founded as uh, uh, by a Quaker, William Penn, and uh, I think religious liberty uh, is, is in the DNA of all. Pennsylvanians. Uh, to answer your question, uh, the title of my book comes from, uh, the book is not a religious book, but it uh, comes from uh, the, the book of Proverbs um, uh, that I believe King Solomon wrote thousands of years ago. Um, and I don't want to give away because it's literally the last sentence of, of, of the book. But uh, as you're featuring the website um, uh, here, you know, folks can read uh, the translation of that verse. So what's the point of the book, uh, Ari? It's not about the Second World War. It's about the contemporary age. Uh, but it also focuses on uh, uh, righteousness in the face of evil, of hatred. Uh, exactly. So as I mentioned, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. And what, what happened on that last Saturday in October 2018 Growing up in Pennsylvania, you know, my worst nightmares, I, I just never could imagine uh, when 11 innocent worshipers in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, they did something that, that I think many of your your viewers and your listeners do on a regular basis. They went they went to their house of worship and it was the, the deadliest, uh, most violent anti-Semitic attack in America's history. And, you know, America's coming up on our 250th birthday. And I just never could imagine that uh, anywhere in our country, but certainly in my home state. So uh, that, 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 that's how the book originated. Um, it really just quietly looking for inspiration and uh, through fast paced short stories, uh, 
profiling four men, four women, uh, black, white, Latino, some from the United States, some from abroad. Um, they're just really incredible folks that are not by any means household names, but have gone above and beyond uh, for my community, the Jewish community, during um, what I think has been a, a, a pretty difficult, tumultuous uh, few years. Uh, yeah, you talk about the Pittsburgh uh, synagogue killing. Um, how many people were killed, Ari? So it was, it was, it was eleven. I mean, obviously that's a catastrophic story. But in, in your mind, does it speak of something larger in America or perhaps in the world? Well, I guess the way I would answer that, Andrew, uh, the book began in earnest. Uh, unfortunately, and I'll use the term unfortunately, just a few months later. So if, uh, if your listeners remember, uh, in April of 2019, so just several months after the massacre in Pittsburgh, uh, this was the last day of the holiday of Passover. And uh, yet again, at a synagogue this time outside of San Diego, California, so 3,000 plus miles away, 5,000 kilometers for our European listeners, uh, we had... Uh, another violent, deadly anti-Semitic attack uh, on a synagogue, um, as I said, in California. And then yet again, uh, at the end of December, uh, in the most, I believe, probably the most diverse part of the world, right? The New York tri-state area, where in New York and New Jersey, you had two other uh, violent, deadly anti-Semitic attacks. So it was during this period of 2019 that I really put pen to paper. Uh, it, you know, it's pretty damn dark out there. I was looking for Well, you say that, Ari. I mean, compared to 1933, I mean, how would you compare today, particularly in America, to Germany in 1933? They're quite different kind of categories, aren't there, in terms of anti-Semitism and the state of, uh, uh, the, the state of toleration of, 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 of Jews? Or, or, or do you think that there are equivalents between 2022 and 1933? I've spent a lot of time in Germany, um, and you know, I'm by no means a historian. I certainly wasn't alive, but I don't know where you and I'm sure many of your listeners in 1933. But um, I, I do believe that with all uh, the, the, the warts that uh, American democracy has, I, I do believe that this is, you know, the, the just the, it's incredible system that our founding fathers uh, devised this federal system this constitutional democracy that has check balances. Uh, we, uh, you know, we have a free press that certainly could be stronger and more robust, but yeah, so I, 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 I think that's a comparison. Well, no, my it's question was not about the, the German political system and the, the American political system, more about the condition of uh, the Jewish people in Germany in 1933 versus in uh, the Jewish people in America in 2022. I, my question was that, in my mind at least, maybe I'm wrong, um, it, it, it's quite a different situation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Jewish community in the United States, um, which by no means is large, uh, the, the quantitatively, uh, has, I think, been afforded liberties uh, that have never been afforded in thousands of years of Jewish history. Uh, and that's something that we should celebrate. Uh, and this week, as President Biden was uh, in, in the state of Israel, uh, celebrating the unbreakable bonds between our countries, 
you know, I think a lot of uh, uh, that was on display. So, and we have Jewish Supreme Court justices, we have uh, Jewish United States senators and governors, we have Jewish CEOs and college presidents. Uh, all that being said, the FBI, uh, which tracks and monitors hate crimes compiled from uh, local police forces around the country, uh, has quantitatively said that that year on year in recent years, and uh, we've seen this unfortunately manifested in some of the horrible incidents that I mentioned. Uh, we have we, we're just witnessing uh, a horrible uptick in, in anti-Semitism, and for that matter, uh, hate, hate crimes across the board. You mentioned Joe Biden. He is, of course, um, in the Middle East right now. He said today that the ground is not right for peace talks between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Saudi Arabia is apparently allowing direct flights from Israel. And whilst uh, I think Israelis generally praise Biden, uh, there were, according to the New, New York Times, at least Palestinian protests over his visit. How much do you think, Ari, the rise of anti-Semitism in America is bound up with Israel and the Arab-Israeli conflict? Yeah, these, are, these are discussions and questions that I have often and I'm sure, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure happen uh, around this country uh, often in, in Jewish households and otherwise. But this is where I always begin, uh, and because this is just an incontrovertible fact. Israel's a democracy, period. Its neighbors are not, period. Uh, the ability to protest, what we would say in the United States, to air our First Amendment grievances, to petition our government, uh, that is not something that's afforded uh, to many Palestinians. And that's unfortunate. And God willing, uh, we'll live in a day, uh, hopefully speedily and soon, uh, that Palestinians are able to write a letter to the editor, that are able to vote in an election. Um, but uh, Arab citizens, whether they worship five times a day as Muslims do or not, uh, of the state of Israel are afforded more liberties. This is a fact than Arab citizens elsewhere within a 500 plus mile radius. Yeah, but uh, Ari, my question wasn't about freedom in Israel. It was about the rise of anti-Semitism. Some people believe at least around the world and a lot of it is connected with a critique of Israel, whether or not that critique is right or not. Do you think that the rise of contemporary anti-Semitism in, in the 2020s in America and around the world, is that bound up? in uh, hostility towards Israel? Or are these, is this anti-Semitism ancient, timeless? Well, I think it's a combination. Uh, and I touch on this uh, uh, definitely, Andrew, in, in, in my book. Um, as I mentioned, you know, I profile eight diverse non-Jews who've gone above and beyond for uh, Israel and the Jewish people. Um, so, you know, for example, you're, you're originally from the United Kingdom. What's played out uh, on the streets uh, of London and, and other incredible, you know, historic British cities, um, I, I just think is misguided uh, to the point that it's it's just incredibly unfortunate that you've had uh, not you, but um, uh, the United Kingdom has had just thousands and thousands of its citizens leave 
uh, and they, uh, to immigrate to the state of Israel. Um, you know, we, we and, and this is, as I said, I just believe it's misguided um, that you have folks, whether it's on college campuses in the United States, disrupting graduation ceremonies, um, once again, in a manner that they will not be allowed to do uh, across the Arab world, where the right to protest uh, and the right to speak up is just stifled by autocrats. Um, but no, I think just unfortunately there is a, a narrative that, uh, that I'm actively working to try to combat uh, that I think is misguided. And I think also it is grounded in these ancient, uh, you know, folks, folks point out whether we believe the Bible or not, uh, that, you know, anti-Semitism is the oldest form of, uh, of hate. Do you think that uh, we've done a lot of shows about uh, Israel, uh, uh, Ari, actually know, yeah. them with American Jews, Joanne Moore, politically on the left. She, we did a conversation about how poets can bring peace to Arab and uh, to Arab, the Arab Israeli situation. Daniel Sokach, um, sort of more perhaps uh, progressive. Uh, he has a new book out. Can we talk about Israel? Uh, Noah Tishby, an Israeli book called Israel, a simple guide to the most misunderstood country on the world, probably more, I'm guessing, in your camp. Do you think Jews have a responsibility like yourself, like Noah, like Joanne, like Daniel, to be critical of Israel? Because it's not a perfect country, is it, Aaron? So I don't know about the other two authors, uh, but I know that Noah is uh, an Israeli citizen. So my answer to that would be that, you know, I can be critical of British politics, I can be critical of Israeli politics, but what does that mean? <laughs> I'm not I'm not an Israeli voter, I'm not a British voter. Um, so it's very easy, I suppose, from across the Atlantic to, to write books, to write opinion columns, to sit on panels, um, and once again, that's a beautiful thing that's afforded us as Americans in a democracy. Uh, but unless you're there uh, as a voter, um, you know, I think I think this is kind of a, a, a moot point. And, you know, I, I realize that falls on a lot of deaf ears and there's all sorts of well-funded NGOs and there's all sorts of you know, well-meaning Jewish Americans and, and other Americans. But they have every right to, to, to move to Israel, to become a voter uh, and to join what is an incredibly colorful multifaceted, multi-party democracy. Ari, do you think you can be critical of Israel without being anti-Semitic? I think that three times a day uh, as a Jew, uh, when I worship, when I pray, um, I, I mention the state of Israel, not the state, but I mention the word Israel. I mention uh, the word Jerusalem, uh, and they go hand in hand. And there's, I don't believe it's a debate, because uh, I, I just, I just, I just frankly don't buy it. Um, but there is an ongoing discussion uh, about the premise of your question, um, and about, you know, that I can be a, a, a Jewish anti-Zionist. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I don't understand how folks can rationalize that. So you, you, your answer is no, you can't. I mean, to, 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 to simplify it, right? I mean, because uh, this, is, this is what often happens in America, we simplify, right? United we stand, divided we fall. 
period, sink or swim, period. Uh, you know, we started this discussion about 1933 Germany, which was an incredibly dark time. God willing, will never happen again. Um, but my understanding of the Third Reich is there wasn't really a demarcation about how often are you going to a house of worship? Um, you know, what is your profession? Uh, you know, what are your political beliefs? Uh, it's pretty clear if parents and grandparents were Jewish, come with us. Let's talk a little bit about America. Uh, we did a show with an uh, Iranian, is a Jewish Iranian immigrant uh, to the U.S. Roya Hakakian has an interesting book, new, relatively new, called "A Beginner's Guide to America." My conversation with Roya, we talked about what it is about America that generates so much anti-immigrant vitriol. What's your sense of the current? politics of toleration of racial hate in america outside the issue of anti-semitism particularly the hostility towards immigrants well i'm gonna i'm gonna pick up well, that, 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 yeah that yeah, that actually it's a wonderful book she's a uh, you, you should look at the interview too she's a she's an extremely lively and smart interview oh I, I certainly will look my uh closest friends uh, and professional colleagues, um, by and large, are first or second generation immigrants. Um, and I just think that it's it's truly an American story. And I suppose we also see this in the United Kingdom, uh, that you have folks from every continent that have risen to the highest levels of, of academia, of the business community, of American politics. I just think it's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and, and, unfortunately, what we see, and President Biden said this much more eloquently this week, and uh, Israel and Secretary Blinken has uh, said this multiple times, but where, where we see anti-Semitism historically, going back centuries, very quickly thereafter, we see uh, this anti-immigrant rhetoric. It's not contained to just Jew hatred. Um, uh, and I think that there's an absolute natural uh, alliance, um, and, and there are good efforts in this regard uh, between the Jewish American community, between the Muslim American community. When we saw a uh, horrible uptick over the last two years in anti-Asian hate, uh, you know, it often was the organized Jewish community uh, the lending support. So, you know, once again, in a different variation to what I said, I think we sink or swim together. But there is there there is absolutely you know we've I guess began this discussion talking about the hard left to a degree, not to generalize, but uh, you know on the hard right in this country, we've seen some 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 pretty concerning rhetoric, and too often rhetoric leads to uh, to violence, a as we've seen unfortunately very right. recently uh, in 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 Buffalo uh, and in Highland Park. We've done many many shows, Ari, on race in america the fatal fateful divide i think most people would agree did a show recently with a a southern writer baynard woods on what he sees as a white racist totalitarian system in america he has a new book out called inheritance an autobiography of whiteness the vast majority of jews of course are white i didn't talk to baynard about jews or anything like that but my guess is he would probably say that Jews fall into the white category and that it really doesn't matter on one's 
religion in America. There are basically just blacks and whites, and, and, and blacks have always been, uh, unfortunately, um, at the wrong end of justice. What do you think? Jews and blacks in America have often fought side by side. What's your take on the relationship between African Americans and Jewish Americans? What has it been and what should it be? How, how does it fit in? You have a couple of African Americans who you feature in your book. Uh, what's your take on this? It's a it's a very complicated, tricky situation. Uh, it's an excellent question, Andrew. A bit to unpackage there. Just to go back, I mean, I would remind uh, your listeners and your viewers uh, that. Um, Almost any Israeli street, uh, the, the the Jews that have olive skin or even much darker, um, you know, would be about one third, if not forty plus percent. Uh, the reason for that, by the way, is that uh, in the last fifty plus years, Jews from the Arab world down to Ethiopia um, were were uh, forcibly exiled. Uh, so um, Jews come in all, yeah, shapes, colors, and sizes, uh, I suppose. You know, I, as you mentioned, I do feature three uh, uh, diverse, unique, incredible non-Jewish uh, black leaders uh, in my book. Um, um, one, uh, you know, as, as diverse as a black firefighter, uh, I mentioned my friends who are first and second generation Americans, and um, uh, through a, a young woman who born uh, in deep south Louisiana, um, and then a woman born uh, on the tail end of the horrible era of apartheid uh, in South Africa. Uh, you know, in the research for my book, uh, I learned something that, that I didn't know, and I'm, I'm curious how many of your listeners know. The last public appearance uh, of Dr. King's life before that fateful day uh, in Memphis uh, in April was actually in front of a national conference of rabbis. And he surprised his dear friend and and an ally, uh, Rabbi Heschel, uh, at a birthday party. And there were rabbis from across the country. And I uh, would really encourage uh, uh, your listeners, your viewers, to uh, take a look at his remarks, uh, Dr. King's remarks on that night. His memory certainly, I think it was a Thursday night. Um, and you know, as I mentioned, look, it's 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 unfortunately it's it's Exhibit A. It's right there. What happened in May in Buffalo uh, was was horrible. I was overseas. Uh, uh, the, the, the book, thank God, said a great reception in Europe, too. And you know, I was just wrestling with, with, with what we saw, that you had uh, uh, African-American victims. But then shortly thereafter, and thank God for law enforcement, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they apprehended this son of a bitch. And we, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. And they, they found all sorts of anti-Semitic writings. And too often, uh, these, go, these go hand in hand. Coming back to the, the question that uh, the Baynard Woods made about either you're white or you're black, is there a third category, do you think? For Drews? I mean, do they exist somewhere? I don't, I don't, I, I don't know him. I don't know his book. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I, mean, he doesn't I don't know. I don't know. The, to him, I'm throwing him in. I, I'm not sure how much he wrote or thinks about uh, American Jews within his notion of whiteness and blackness. But I think he would probably assume that most American Jews are white. Yeah, I, 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 I cannot put myself in the shoes of, I'm 39 years old. I cannot put myself in the shoes of, of 
the average 39-year-old black male in this country. Um, I have plenty of black friends uh, in their 30s and their 40s. Uh, these are deep conversations I have with them. Um, so I can't, I can't walk a mile in his shoes. But what I would say is that it is a natural alliance uh, between the black and the Jewish community. Uh, it shouldn't be one of friction. Uh, you know, unfortunately, since the launch of this book in February, uh, at events from Arizona to Florida and places in between, uh, primarily with Jewish audiences, um, but the organizers of these events have asked, and I've been honored to join um, two of the black individuals that I profile in my book. And and these are, you know, these are conversations that, frankly, veer from the deeply personal to the philosophical. And um, you know, looking forward to having more of them uh, as we do more with this book tour in the fall. Daniel, I know you've got to run, but finally, perhaps you might, as uh, uh, as you've said, you profile eight remarkable individuals, non-Jews, who took a very public stand against anti-Semitism. Is there one story in particular you want to end with? One of one of the, the one of the people you one of the righteous people you you feature in the book. Uh, Andrew, that's like asking a teacher his favorite uh, student. Um, yeah, or or that. You know, I guess I, I guess what I would say. Um, well, they're not their uh, favorite, but, a, but a, your favorite anecdote, a story, something to end with, Aaron. Sure. So as I mentioned, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 39 um, and I, we have a two-year-old daughter that uh, if we just think about you know, how topsy-turvy the last two years have been, um, uh, you know, and I think a lot about, you know, what, 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 what's America going to be like? What's our world going to be like when she's 39? I mention all this because I, I profile a Croatian medical doctor. Dr. Dragan Primorac, uh, once again, not a household name. Uh, he, uh, without giving away uh, uh, the book, um, he, he literally had the entire country of Croatia um, in recent years have a national conversation about, the, about World War II, about what happened um, uh, during that period in Croatia. And uh, it's led to changes in the Croatian curriculum uh, and it's led to just incredibly deep, deep ties, uh, both diplomatically, security-wise, and then certainly commercially and, and tourist-wise uh, between Croatia and uh, the, the Jewish community worldwide and the state of Israel. He did all that, by the way, at the age of 39 uh, with two uh, daughters uh, under the age of four. Uh, so it's incredibly inspiring uh, to me, um, and I was honored to... Uh, to join him um, uh, in Croatia, where the book has been translated into Croatian. Uh, so once again, we, we could spend the next uh, 30 plus minutes talking about each of these, these folks. They inspired me during, as I mentioned, a pretty tumultuous, dark time for the American Jewish community. And, um, you know, they provided a little light. And, uh, you know, I would hope the listeners would pick up the book because it's an easy read. I've had people say they finished it at a beach weekend or finished it on a plane ride across the Atlantic. So.